This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The blackness. Keep the game on. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to hour number three of our Sunday chit chat here on 98.7 ESPN. First hour, we talked a little baseball, Mets and Yankees. Told you where I thought both of them could be going. Second hour, Jordan run on, joined us, talked a little Giants and some Jets. And, of course, Willie Colon will join us in a couple of seconds to give his thoughts on what's happening with the, what he saw from the Jet preseason game, the limited part where the you know backups were performing. And we'll hear what he has to say. But it's really interesting. As the Yankees have lost the lead now, they're down 3-1. Um, it, it's it's really interesting about the running back situation, right? Because as you listen to fans who are like, "Yo, let's bring him in. We we want we want Cook. We want Cook. Multi year." We've had this conversation. The, the league just does not put that kind of money on these running backs. They just don't because they feel they can get other running backs to, to do whatever they need these guys to do. And once again, when you understand what Cook has meant to this, to what he meant to the Vikings in their playoff run last year and for them to just let him go because of money, it, it, it's crazy. He's he, And he still hasn't made the adjustment and he keeps going from team to team and going from team to team. And we know it's a thousand percent right. He he's from Miami. He wants to go back to Miami. He wants to hook up with Tyreek Hill. And it's just not getting it done. Because Miami's like, oh, we're not we're not paying all that money that you're asking for. Show me somebody else that's gonna pay for that money and then come back and we'll and we'll talk. <laughs> and nobody else has done it. <laughs> so they're not coming back talking. Because nobody else has. And that leads you into the situation, once again, with this Jets offensive line. And we keep talking about it. We keep talking about it over and over and over again. Because it's a major concern. Because it, 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 could, it could derail what is possibly a valuable season. Look, and it's not just them. I mean, other, other positions have to play well. But there's no other position on this team that garners the same questions as the Jets' offensive line. Ritzmini was on with Barton Hahn last week, and we were once again they were discussing Makai Becton, and even in the backup situation, you wonder would the Jets even consider what's the, what is. The role that they have for Makai Becton. Well, Rich Amini says, yeah, it's going to be a backup role. He doesn't have a starting job right now. I don't even think that's on the table for him. I think his goal right now and the team's goal is just to get him to a point where he can finish a game. And so he's not going to be the week one starter at left tackle. It's going to be Dwayne Brown. And Makai is not going to be the week one starter at right tackle because he's not a right tackle anymore. He hasn't played it at all in training camp. He doesn't want to play right tackle because his doctors have advised him that that is not conducive to recovering from his knee surgery because it 
it, it puts more stress on the right knee when you play right tackle. So Makai is taking some baby steps here and trying to win a job as a backup right now. Now, maybe wow. at some point in the season, if someone gets hurt, he could step into the starting lineup. But the Jets do not see Makai as a starter right now. They're just trying to get him back to 100%. All right, so that's Ritzamini on Makai Becton. Here's a young man who's uh, got some hardware, some some jewelry for a Super Bowl champion. He's SNY analyst and good friend Willie Cologne. Willie, thanks for a couple of minutes on this Sunday, my friend. How are you? Always, my brother. How's everything? Everything is great. All right, take me through that. You've had injuries. You you you've had to mentally overcome those things and get out there right. and play. What what's Makai Becton going through? Well, it's layered, right? I think he's, you know, it goes, honestly, it goes in body parts. One, he has to trust the knee that he's trying to recover from, you know, and if you move up, he has to trust his heart, too. And the heart meaning that he's going to have to fight through the naysayers and he's going to have to exhibit and show day in and day out, no matter what condition the knee is, and that he can finish practices, that he can compete at a high level when they're going through their two minute, nine on seven. And when they're going through these drills, when it's iron sharp as iron time, that he's a physical presence out there, that he's making an impact. And on top of that, from the neck up, he has to also understand from internally that he's worthy of being out there and playing the position at a high level. Um, and sometimes when you look at where the Jets – well, let me pivot a little bit. When you look at where the Jets are right now and, and like how you talked about, this team is stacked up in a position where they're ready to win, but they're only going to go – typically, I know it's cliche to say, they're only going to go as far – as that offensive line goes. Um, and Ballot there, they seem pretty healthy across the board, um, even though Dwayne Brown, he's sitting out because he's still getting himself together. Um, but from Makai's standpoint, man, he has to go out there and just be a physical presence. Like I thought he was his first year. Um, prior to the knee, when his first game, you know, when they were out in Carolina with Zach Wilson, those guys, he was really, I mean, he was, he was just moving guys willy-nilly. And so he has to get to a point where he can some, somehow exhibit that type of talent again. And he'll be fine. I think with him right now, you can tell he listens to the headlines. His head is in the social media. Um, you can tell every everybody around him is probably kind of wearing, they're wearing thin with him because they they need him to be either a part of the ship or get off the ship. And sometimes that's out of your control. But what he can control is him just going out there with a positive attitude and really play with a sense of grit and, and being pissed off. Because that's what helped me get through my injury woes. I mean, I was dealing with a bad knee or if I was, you know, both of my knees were kind of, you know, shaky and uh, whatever I was going through physically, man, I was just pissed off that I wasn't, I couldn't play at my best. So that kind of turned on the switch for me to like, all right, well, if I can't do what I know I can do because this knee is hindering me, I know I could be a more physical in the run game. I know I could play with a, a better sense of enthusiasm. I know I can get after it in different parts of the game. So it was just really him, really him trying to find his niche. And also standing there, he's still young. We're not talking about guys in his 30s. You know, I think he's like 24, 25 years old. So he's still a pup, man. But he has to kind of go into his own where, you know, I, whatever my situation is, I'm going to make the best of it. But I'm going to play with a big chip on my shoulder. And, I, you know, I'm old school, Larry. You've been around me, especially mm-hmm. during my playing days. You know, sometimes starting a fight or punching a guy in the face in practice, that's, that lets the people know that, you know, you're still here and you ain't the one to be messed with. Um, and people kind of walk lightly around you. And he doesn't he, – he, I don't know if he has that type of energy. I don't know if that's his, in his makeup. I know it was in mine. Um, and that kind of brings value to the team too. That brings value to the offensive line. So, it's you know, overall it just seems like he's trying to find his way. It's interesting you say that, Willie, because because of his size and strength, 
he didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have to do what right. you're talking about. So how do you, right. how do you, when you've been dominant and you've been pushing people around, you've been the bully and now you're not, yep. you're not, you're not the bully anymore. It, it takes some adjusting. Mm-hmm. It takes some adjusting to move on from that. Well, see, the bully is not, it's not just a physical presence. It's really a mental presence. Right. And mm-hmm. I think, for him being as young, and he hasn't played a lot too, Larry. That's what we forget. Like he hasn't played a lot of ball. I played a lot of ball early. You know, I started the last few games of my rookie year with the Steelers, and then I walked into a starting role, and I pretty much played it on out. Even dealing with the injuries I went through, um, when you play a lot of ball, you go against a lot of high competition. You're playing in a lot of games, a lot of pivotal games, a lot of big time games. There's a certain mental agility that you really develop, and Sometimes you got to be the bull. Sometimes you got to lay off it. But you also you being out there, you just building you just building you know yourself up in your game. But I think he just has to be out there and continue to play ball. That's why I'm happy the Jets had him out there for the Hall of Fame game because he had been on the bench or on the shelf for so long. He probably just forgot his you know just his his bearing so to speak. So if I was a Jets man and I I know they're trying to I know he's on a pitch count because of the knee. Um, Get him playing as much football as he can. Good, better, and different. I don't care what the you know. Obviously, you want to see him do things right. You want to see him play well and look great, sure. But he just needs to go, go back out there playing football. Just kind of you know, just being out, you know, just being a football player, and that's going to help build his confidence and just help him actually build his knowledge of the game. Willie, just from and I know you can't take much away. It's pre it's pre preseason really nowadays. Uh, what yep. did you see uh, in the Hall of Fame game from from the backups, the first group of backups? Well, they they look like backups. Um, I thought I thought Zach actually looked like a he looked like a number two quarterback to me, um, and that's not me trying to throw a slight at him. I, he looked like a kid who, you know, is still kind of finding his way. He may, obviously has some good plays out there. He looked way more calm in the pocket. He looked like he had a better sense of confidence about himself out there. The offensive line, you know, they they're they're trying to figure themselves out, especially when you have Makai kind of anchoring the left side. That takes a lot of communication, one common in nerves, really just trying to get out there and bang um, and, and be physical out there. And it's the first game out the, out the shoot, right? So nobody's going to look great. I don't care where you're at in your career. You do taste guys two or three games to kind of feel like, okay, I know where I'm at. And so I thought they looked, I looked, they looked fine. I didn't have any issues with uh, what I saw. You saw a lot of guys flying around trying to make plays or hungry. Um, but I didn't take much from it than what it was expected. Just, they, a lot of guys are coming out of training camp. You know, all eyes on them. Obviously, hard knocks. And, you know, all the social media attention, all the media attention they're receiving overall. They understand everybody's watching the New York Jets. So, um, but they look they look fine to me. I didn't I didn't take any negative uh, negative things away from them. All right. So help us through this, Willie. We saw uh, really on the on the drive that cost them the game, a lot of penalties, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's something that has plagued. It's crazy, Willie, but in covering the Jets, I mean, I've seen this, and this is despite the coaching staff. There is uh, third and 15, you give up 16. Uh, roughing the passive penalty on third down, you know better. Uh, offsides, uh, just, just little nagging penalties that a lot of teams don't do. And obviously, the example, you know, Belichick's teams don't beat themselves. Right, it's that discipline about right. penalties. Now, obviously, it's the first game; it's the first preseason game, and these are guys who, right. are, as you mentioned, trying to get themselves on video. They're trying to make sure they stay on the team, practice squad, whatever. They're trying to make sure they continue their career, or they're going to be, you know, do, have to choose another career. How do you, as just watching it, 
and you have that in the back of your mind, how do you view it? Do you say, well, it's just backups and we take it for granted these things are going to happen? Or do you say, come on, guys, when do we start to see this team be more disciplined and cut down on those self-inflicted wounds? Like, I'm going to be 100 with you, man. I thought the refs were a little too horny uh, pulling that flag. Uh, okay. I, I, thought some of the, I thought some of those things they could have um, – I think some of the things is football players trying to make football players and uh, football plays, excuse me, and it, it became too tic tac. But on the side, on the other side of that, I think you make a very good point in understanding that you listen. It's not about them being number twos because eventually during the season, you got those who make this team. You have to rely on those guys, especially in the middle of the season when you know your starters start to get things or little injuries start to occur. You know those guys that you saw on the field for that first preseason game, those are the guys you're going to see in the lineup. And so you just want to understand when you go back to the tape that they see the mistakes they're making. Because sometimes, man, it's easy to make excuses like some of the ones we threw out there. Oh, it's the first game. You know, guys are nervous, yada, 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 yada. But it's being able to go back to the family and say, hey, this is this is going to be a problem for, for us or you if you we don't get this fixed, right? Because that's the worst thing you want when you when it's time to close out a team and then a dumb penalty comes because a guy's not disciplined from a mechanic, uh, mechanical standpoint. Or his, you know, his just his overall, you know, he just freaks out. The ball's in the air instead of just playing the ball and, and making a play on the ball. So I think it's, it's it's a situation where a lot of these guys are learning. They're gonna have to learn the way of the NFL. They're gonna learn that you know refs are every ref, refereeing crew is different, right? You're not gonna have the same guys and see the same things, and so you're gonna have to adjust. We were fortunate enough when we had Rex Ryan, man. Rex would bring us in as we, you know, as we came into Friday meetings. He would show the crew. This this crew is known for calling DPIs. This crew is known for calling holdings. This crew is a no nonsense crew. So if you if you you know you get crazy, they don't throw a flag on you. So he he did a great job of I think it showing us these are the guys who are going to be roughing our uh, games. These are the guys who are going to be you know telling us you know pretty much this is what they're consistent of. And so it's up to you as the ball player to understand like all right I'm I'm this the refereeing crew that's going to. Be out here. They're known for calling, holding on everything. So let me just be more aware and more on top of my game about it. Also, you can't control the refs. You got to be disciplined. And like I said, first game, get it out. Second game, you got to start to see improvements. A lot of conversation, Willie, and Willie Colon is my guest, SNY Insider, here on ninety-eight seven ESPN. Willie, a lot of conversation about Robert Sala going into this year, and some people a little concerned about what he's able to bring to the table. You mentioned what Rex Ryan was able to do as a veteran. How important is it to see your head coach be a head coach and not just favor one side of the ball? You know what I'm saying? Not to be the, the you know, to be, as, as Damian Woody always says, to be the CEO of the team, not the CEO of one side, either the right. defense or the defense. And, and important, how important is preparation? Preparation is huge, and it's great that you said that because, you know, that was one of the biggest, I think, and you know, like I know, that was one of the biggest hiccups towards uh, you know, Rex's last year mm-hmm. that he kind of handed the offense over to Morning uh, Morning Morningwig, and he was going to take care of the defense. But when you're a head coach and you got to control the whole ship, man, you have to be able to have uh, each eye on both sides of the ball. And it's easy to touch and you know trust, excuse me, a, a decorated offensive coordinator or some guy who's a guru or whatever system he's trying to implement. But you also got to always see that the vision and the pursuit of what you're trying to do is on the same page as the defense, right? And a lot of that just has to be with character standpoint. Like, you know, what do we look like when it's five minutes left in the, left in the game? Are we putting the ball in the quarterback's hands? Or are we going to play behind the defense? Are we going to play behind the offensive line? How much, you know, what's our game plan? And it's not just a, a Thursday meeting with the OC trying to talk about game plan. It's making sure that you're consistent about what you're trying to do as a team. Um, and so it does require the head guy like a Rob Salah to be 
involved in both sides of the ball because it's easy, you know, especially when the defense, you, you Larry, you've been on, you've seen us play with my time with the Jets, you know, the mm-hmm. defense would be kicking butt and the offense would be stagnant. And from an offense, from the defensive side, like, well, we're doing our job, Marty, get your guys doing your job. And when that type of dialogue starts happening, that's when you start splitting up the locker room, right? Because now you start pointing fingers. And so it's important for Salah to understand, and I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying it's it's important for him to be aware on what the main goal is, what do we look like offensively. And, and on, top, on top of that, it, it's always going to take the offense longer to get a, you know, together than the defense. Defense is see ball, get ball, stay in your gap, know your responsibilities, play ball. Offense, so much of the time and chemistry – a lot of little things, a lot of the threads have to kind of come together for that offense to be what you want it to be. And so he has to be patient in that, and hopefully is. I, like I said the last time I was on with you, my biggest fear with the Jets is and they're going to expect eight, meaning Aaron Rodgers, to be eight. When sometimes, which is fine, he's, he's getting paid handsomely, and he's been able to do it throughout his whole career. But I think that you set yourself up for trouble if, you know, for whatever reason, he's not eight. You know what I mean? For whatever mm-hmm. reason that – you know, this 39-year-old quarterback starts to age and you start seeing the age, and it's not his fault. Everybody has – people have to help Aaron Rodgers out. You know, this this offensive line, what Brees Hall looks like, the receiving uh, the receiving court. So I think it, it, I think they're falling into a situation, and I hope they don't, um, where they expect Aaron Rodgers to be the end-all, be-all. They got to play as a team. And they got to play as one. Two more for you, Willie. How, how much pressure is on this defense? Well, you know, for me, I think not to be redundant, I'm not worried about our headliners, so to speak. I'm not worried about Sauce Gardner. I'm not worried about DJ Reed and CJ and Quentin Williams. Um, I'm worried about what Shaq Lawson looks like. I'm worried about what Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, JFM, who I know he dealt with a quad last year, but after he after he got paid in the middle of the season, you couldn't find him. Um, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, I, I want to see that line play better because they took a dive towards the middle of the season. They just weren't playing well as a unit, not even one or two guys as a unit. They weren't playing well. Um, what Garrett Wilson looks like in year two because he's no longer a secret. You know, with the tight end position, can we get more out of that? What Brees Hall was like coming off a of running back. So I think collectively as a team, it's going to be a supporting cast that's going to make this team get to where they want to get to, and that's ultimately to the playoffs and and to a Super Bowl, I'm not worried about the main guys. I think the main guys have enough talent. They have enough pride in themselves to be who they need to be. It's a supporting cast around those guys that really have to step up. And to pivot back to the defense, you know, that front that front seven has to be relentless. Um, they're going to have to set the tone because I think the secondary, already they have a swagger. They have an identity. Uh, they look very well polished. I didn't like the loss of Chuck Clark. Obviously, he went down with an ACL. Um, I thought he was a big addition. I didn't like losing Lamarcus Jones. I really liked him as all as a whole. Um, so they got some they got some pieces they got to fill, especially in the safety position. Um, but nevertheless, man, I think this defense is going to be lights out if if the supporting cast, the guys around Quentin Williams, the guys around DJ and and Sauce Gardner step up um, and CJ Moses. Those that whole the guys around those guys, those guys who step their game up, is going to be a pretty uh, prolific defense. Looking ahead. Last one for you, Willie. Who concerns you most in the division with the Jets? Is it Buffalo? Do you still think that they – some people think they're going to take a step back or they kind of did last year. Is it Miami from what, what you know, the talent they have there? Or is it, you know, you still uh, – they say Belichick is on the hot seat, but you still – it's Belichick. <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest, man. It was It's going to be Miami. If Tuesday is healthy, man, this dude, before prior to his, you know, his injuries, I mean, he had 25 – 25 touchdowns and eight interceptions on a year. Um, he was he was lighting it up, and he was doing a hell of a job playing it within that offense with Mike McDaniels. And it seems like they're on the same page in that offense. 
we're really starting to grow an identity with uh, Tyreek Hill. And that defense is really coming alive, too, obviously, with Christian Wilkins uh, at, the, at the defensive tackle spot. So uh, that's a team that I, I, you know, we can talk about the Jets. Obviously, we have to, and we love them. We can't, you know, we, we're excited to see them go. Buffalo's going to be Buffalo to me. I feel like they, they, they're kind of they're on the fence with me just from what they look injury-wise. They suffered a lot of significant injuries last year. Obviously, they're going to get healthier. Um, but they still could. They, I think they're going to be Buffalo, you know, whatever that means. Uh, they don't, I think they're always going to be in the playoffs. It just matters can they deliver when they get to the playoffs. But I think the dark horse, and I don't know if, there's a, if there are a dark horse, is the Miami Dolphins, man. I think the Miami Dolphins, if two is healthy, they're, they're going to be a scary team to watch, um, and they're going to shock a lot of people, and they're going to put up big numbers too. No question about it. Willie, what's the name of your morning show? I forgot to mention it. You know, problem, Cigarettes XM, man. Check me out on uh, Channel 82, Mad Dog Sports. 6 to 9 a.m. The show is called Morning Man. It's me, Mike Babchuk, uh, and Evan Cohen. So we're talking all things sports, uh, sports, comedy, rock and roll, man. We have a good time chasing headlines and talking about uh, everything underneath the sun. I never thought you'd be a talk show host. <laughs> <laughs> is, all we do is talk, lad. On and off, right. Awesome, this man. This is shocking to me. Willie, thanks for your time right. today, man. We'll talk down the line. Awesome, brother. Blessings. All right, take care. Willie Cologne. We'll come back. We'll, we'll break down some of what he had to say next on 9870 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 9870 ESPN. Carlos Rodon has left the game with what reporters are chronicling a leg injury. After giving up a couple of home runs, Yankees now trail 5-1. She has been such a disappointment. I mean, what a home run, multiple home runs in three of his six starts. An ERA of close to eight. I mean, he, he's, gosh, he's just been, he's been consistently bad. I mean, it's early, but is this, Another bad pitching signing from Brian Cashman? I mean, in theory, it should be. It should have worked. <laughs> you can say a lot of that with Cashman, right? On paper, it should have worked. But once again, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Johnny Brito came on and got the end of the inning, so the Yankees will be on the comeback trail again. Willie Colon had some interesting thoughts. Um and he is right, especially about Becton. And we're not picking on Becton, but we're talking about the offensive line, and he's a major part of that. And so, and you heard in the comments from Samini on Barton Hahn, he's not going to play right tackle because of his knee. So he's got to play left tackle. And has he proven to you that he's a starter? No. But will he have to start because... Dwayne Brown is going to be unavailable. How soon is how long is he going to be on the pop? And doesn't he have to get some playing time in so he could get you could see if he can go? I mean, this is a this is a situation that we've talked about with this this jet offensive line. It's more concerning again. More concerns. It's 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 wild. It's wild. But there's one concern that Ryan Clark on Get Up said, you know what? I think this is going to be okay. You won't have to worry about this. 
I'll share with you what he had to say next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. I think that likelihood is extremely high. And if we're not counting injuries or if we're discounting injuries, I think it's 100%. I believe Aaron Rodgers will be everything that we saw during those MVP season. And that doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers throws 40 touchdowns and only eight interceptions or that Aaron Rodgers has these numbers that we look at to rival Patrick Mahomes. It means that Aaron Rodgers will lead this team to wins. Aaron Rodgers will be extremely efficient. Aaron Rodgers will make Aaron Rodgers type plays in the clutch moments. And when you look at guys like Garrett Wilson, when you think about how good that defense is, Brees Hall coming off of an injury, the New York Jets being willing to go out and get Alan Lazard, adding McCole Hardman, they've given him everything that he's needed except protection. If the offensive line holds up, expect Aaron Rodgers to be talked about in the MVP conversation for the entire season. That's Ryan Clark on Get Up this week, and I agree with him. And, And here's the thing, and he makes a great point. You don't have to see vintage Aaron Rodgers. Now, in some games, he may have to be vintage Aaron Rodgers. But for the most part, if the defense does their job and plays, obviously they have to be a little better than they were last year. But if they play as cl- if they play a little better than they did last season, the early part of the season, then just just regular quarterback play is good enough for them. It would be good enough for them to get to where they need to go. Just regular quarterback play. Just efficient, I know how to play quarterback in the National Football League play. We'll get them what they need. But he said it, and we've said it, and we've said it over and over and over again. It's about the offensive line, ladies and gentlemen, for the Jets. It's about the offensive line. It's clear. That's what it's about. And unless they show that they can be consistent and do a really good job blocking, and and also, but more importantly for me, do a really good job in the run game. Okay, because then if they do a really good job in the run game, whenever they are, and we, look, I understand about the run. I'm not talking ground and pound. But I'm saying whenever you're trying to establish the run so that you can have some balance, so that the defense will have to move the safeties out of the box, well, then it's going to make Aaron Rodgers' job that much easier. Because he'll have, there'll be a short, there'll be manageable second and third downs. And that's what you want. That's what every offense wants. So, yeah, there's no question the offensive line's got to be better. Same thing you heard Jordan Rolland say about the Giants. We're not sure about Evan Neal. I don't know about Evan Neal. Now he's got a concussion, so you have to wait and see. You know, when he's back from concussion protocol and he gets some more snaps, is he improving? All right, because the offensive line is huge. Yes, Daniel Jones can move. We we saw that last year. Okay, he can move. He's got legs. He can run the ball. The RPOs are going to be great for them. And yes, they have Saquon Barkley healthy. And yes, they will spread the offense around and they've got receivers and they've got a tight end in Waller who, if he stays healthy, can be a, is going to be a difference maker. Right now, he's the number one receiver at the tight end. He's the number one receiver because of his size and his skill. 
But what are the questions about the Giants? It's still, can Evan Neal take that step? Is he able to make the adjustments? Is, he able, is, foot, is his footwork going to improve? So it's always about the offensive line, right? It's always about line play. It just is. Yes, of course the yes, of course the linebackers have to tackle. And you heard what you heard what Willie Colon had to say. Yes, you, you guys have to pursue from the linebackers have to pursue from from sideline to sideline. Yes, your secondary has to play well. Yes, we got it. Yes, for the Giants, it's it's Martindale and the Blitz and the front seven have to do their job. Yes, we get it. But ultimately, it's about line play. Because that's what sets the tempo. Old school, new school, running, passing, whatever. It's about line play. And I thought he was, Willie was very right on point about what you expect from coaching. Because listen, coaching matters in every sport. It's about teaching, it's about preparation. Coaching matters in every sport. But it really matters in football. It really does. Preparation. Making sure that your head coach is in touch with everything. It doesn't change. It, it doesn't change that the Aaron Boone has to know what's going on with the pitching staff as well as his everyday players. It doesn't change that that. Tom Thibodeau has to know what's going on with his bench guys and his starters. The head coach has to know what's going on from top to bottom. That does not change. And how you prepare guys does not change. They have to be prepared and ready to go. But for Robert Sala this year, it's a little different. Because the defense is expected to be even better than they were last year. Because they were the reason the team was 7-4. and four. It was because of the defense and how it improved from the year before where it was an embarrassment. And yes, he's the head coach, but he's known for his defensive acumen on that side of the ball. So that's what you're expecting. You're expecting that defense to take even another step. And against a tough schedule where people have scouted them and understood their tendencies during the whole offseason, you got to make some adjustments to your game. And it's not going to be easy. But you have to make adjustments. You have to do some things and put some other things in, in your playbook. Keep the things that were working. But the things that didn't work, you got to get rid of them, man, and put some other stuff in there. Because you are in prime time, which means that not only are you scouted from from you know by your next opponent, you're being scouted by the league. It's a little different pressure than what you've had before. More of your calls and conversation next on 987 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty on a Sunday. 
on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I got to say, before I go back to the phones, uh, I thought it's I, I thought the NFL uh, did a decent job in getting folks moving through the speeches yesterday. For the most part, I thought they were really good. I enjoyed the the uh, you know the acceptance speeches. Obviously, Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas, I had personal uh, caught a little bit more of, caught a little bit more of my attention. I thought they both did a great job. Both of them talked about family. Both of them talked about their teammates, like most most players do. And um, you know, as far as Rivas was concerned, I thought he did a nice job. You know, it's always good when you it's always good when you when you when you thank mom. And I thought, and he and his mom were very close. That's why I was no surprise that she was up there, that she gave the acceptance speech, and that she, uh, you know, unveiled the bust with him. Not sure that looked like Darrell Rivas, though. Not sure. And they might have had a little too much hair in the front for Joe Klecko, but for the most part, listen, it's okay. Your bust is in Canton. That's the bottom line. Congratulations to both of them and all the 2023 inductees into the NFL Hall of Fame. Back to the phones we go. Tommy's in Connecticut. What's up, Tommy? Hey, Larry. How you doing, bud? Great, man. What's happening? Oh, nothing. Just really enjoyed that conversation with Willie. Um, it was a nice distraction from the disaster that <laughs> Carlos Rodon is at this point. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Tommy, it looks like, <laughs> and I'm not wishing this, but it looks like he's got a leg injury, so maybe you won't see him for a while. He was hurt to start the season. Then he was healthy, and he was just bad. Mm-hmm. And now he's hurt again. It, it, I'm not. It's a little early to make the call. I'm not putting it up there with the Jacoby Ellsbury signing because mm-hmm. they just put him in witness protection. But this, he's not good. No, he hasn't been. He's, he's just not. It, it, oh my god! And how does that happen? Well, Tommy, I, I just think, and thanks for the phone call. I just think that part of it is. Because of the injury, he's so far behind. I mean, it's still April for him. And we're in August. And so everybody is caught up. Everybody is in midseason form. Everybody is ready to go. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is it looks like his ball has no movement. The people are just blasting it all over the place. I mean, multiple home runs in half of your starts is not good. It's not good. And, you know, clearly Castillo was the move for the Yankees. Clearly that was the guy that you needed to get. And you didn't get him. And you got, I don't even want to mention the name. I I, I don't even want to do that. I got two Yankee fans in the studio. I, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. But once again, all I'll say is this. If I were the Yankees, I would never trade with Oakland again. <laughs> I would never trade with the Oakland A's again, ever, ever, ever. And not that Rodon came from Oakland, but I'm just saying, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. So I, you know, you got to hope that. Okay, it's a lost season this year. You got to hope that he comes back and and he's able to be closer to you know the phrase. Say it with me, the back of the baseball card next season. Because this season has been a lost season for him. It's been a lost season. And now you hope that the injury is nothing serious and you hope that he can come back because you still need to see what he has. You still need to see if there's anything. You still need to see what you, what he can do, what he can't do. 
Right? You still do. So, you know, hopefully it's nothing serious and he'll be back shortly. Robbie's in Long Island. What's up, Robbie? Yeah, that Ellsbury was a perfect comparison. He was injury prone in Boston. I told a couple of my friends why they signed him. It gave him seven years. And the same thing with Rodan. He's had ominous shoulder issues. And I know he pitched one of the last couple of years, but why do you have to give him six years? You couldn't give him three or four years? Exactly. I mean, this guy was freaking nuts. And, and you know, and now I, I, I hope not, but, you know, he's he's already been injured already a couple of times. And, you know, he looks a little overweight. I don't know what how she, what type of body he has, but uh, he does look a little, but, but he looks like he's injury prone. And with the Jets, um, you know, everyone talks about, you know, you know, their great defense, but I don't hear many people talking about they were ranked 29th in turnover, uh, in turnovers, getting turnovers. They only had one turnover the last eight games. I know the offensive line has issues, and your greatest is your weakest link, which is their offensive line, but their, their greatest strength, their, their defense, they have to get more turnovers. They're not going to get in playoffs if they don't, no matter what the offensive line does. Well, Robbie, you're right. Uh, thanks for the phone call. They have to do better with turnovers. It's a jet defense that did not force turnovers. It was more of a defense that uh, really came up big in situations where they didn't allow sevens and they gave up threes. So that's really where they succeeded a lot. Uh, you know, and, and so points against, they were pretty good. Uh, they did a decent job rushing the passer. They were. They didn't do a good job. The other thing too, Robbie. Aside from not getting turnovers, they got to do a better job stopping the run. They really were not a consistent team stopping the run either. So that's another thing they have to improve on. But you're absolutely right. They have to give forced turnovers, and sometimes, uh, you know, forcing turnovers is even better than uh, you know uh, a, a, a sack. Hey, give me an interception. Let's turn the ball over. Let's give it. To, especially when you have a quarterback like. Aaron Rodgers, who can make a team pay for those turnovers and turn them into points right away. So you are correct. Those are things that the team has to improve on. They have to get better. They just do. They have to get better on those on those ends. Got to do better making teams one-dimensional, and they have to do a better job at, at forcing some turnovers and getting off the field. Because ultimately, that is, that is your job, is – the opportunity for you when you have it as a defense to get off the field. And they had trouble doing that last year. They did. There's no question about it. They had trouble getting off the field. So that's got to change with them. That really has to change. Yankees in an interesting spot here. They could get back in this game. We'll see what happens. Where they had the, uh, you know, with a big, Big opportunity with Harrison Bader at bat. And we're talking about the Yankees, and that's where we started our show a couple hours ago. And we started with the little baseball. And we started with the fact that this was a big game for the Yankees in the sense of you're going against the Houston Astros and you're, you're kind of playing better coming out of the trade deadline where you didn't really add anything of, sub, of substance to your team. But yet and still, it looks as though that the team is still playing hard and they still think they have a shot at the wild card. Even though I get Yankee fans who are like, well, I don't want a wild card. I, I want a World Series. And this team is not a World Series team. Okay? But it could be a wild card team. And it's about getting into the postseason any way you can. And we get the offense is not a vintage Yankee offense. 
We get that this is not an offense that's going to give you five, six runs a game. We understand that. That's not what it is. But for right now, coming out of that trade deadline without nothing substantial being added, they're putting forth a really good effort. They seem to be playing a little better. Now they're behind. They're down today because Carlos Rodon has not been able to find a way to give you any consistency as a starter. And so you're down now 5-2 as the Astros have made a pitching change. But nevertheless, they have an opportunity to take three or four from Houston. And that would mean something. It would. Now, of course, once again, I'm a Met fan. So I'm looking at this from the other side. I get that it's almost obnoxious for a Yankee fan to think we're rooting for the third wild card spot. That's what success has come down to. And for the Yankee front office, yes, it's sustainable success that you have a shot at a championship every single season because you have a, quote, playoff, quote, type roster. And that's what they view success now. And that's partly, excuse me, because of analytics. And it's partly the realization of with the moves we've made, that's the best, this is the way it's going to be. <laughs> it's not going to get much better. This is how we, unfortunately, with the way things have, have happened, with the way we've built this team and put this team together, especially offensively, this is the way it's going to be. This is, how, this is it. So to them, to the Yankees right now, and with the contracts and the way things are, they're hoping for a wild card. And they're saying, yeah, listen, you get in the walk, hey, you never know. Yeah, I never know. So that's where we started, and, and you know, we'll see what happens with this game. Clearly, if they're able to take three or four from Houston, does it mean they're guaranteed for the playoffs? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that they, they're going to the World Series? Absolutely not. But at least it shows that, okay, they still believe and maybe they're rallying to say, well, you know what? The front office didn't believe that we could get better. They didn't bring anybody else in here. So you know what? It's on us. Let's go do it. And maybe it's been a rallying cry. I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. The Mets have no rallying cry. They have responded by what happened by being sellers at the deadline, by losing five straight, including being swept away by Kansas City. No score today in Baltimore as they bat in the fifth inning. But nevertheless, they, they've, they've said, you know what? They found it hard to continue to play. And what's crazy is, for the Mets, it's really about the kids right now. So the fact that they really the fact that they're not winning, or look, you always want to see your team win. Okay, it's it's hard for you to root for your team to lose. You can't go in there and say, boy, I really hope the Mets get. I hope they get shut out again by Baltimore. I want it to be rock bottom. I want it to be awful. Uh, you're, you're a fan of the team. How do you say stuff like that? You can't. That's not what you want. So now, well, during the break, I was talking to Tom and Harvey, trying to get some other binge series options because I'll just be looking in on the Mets. I'll, yes, I'll see how Alvarez plays. Yes, I'll see how Beatty, if he improves at third base, and if he hits, yes, I see Vientos. Yes, I hope to see Benuelos come up eventually. Yes, I hope to see some of the some more kids. So I'll be looking in on them, 
what, to passionately follow them? I, no, I'm not. I'm not passionately following them. I'll watch them because I'm a fan. I have to talk about them on the radio with you guys. But I'm not invested. And it's, and it's tough because I like being invested. What helps is the football season's coming. <laughs> that makes it a little bit easier, right? And that wraps up this edition of the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.